It's time for today's Lucky Land horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. It's time for today's Lucky Land horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Full work limited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome back, everyone. I know it's been a little bit of, uh, you know, some time since my last episode. I do apologize for that. Obviously, news went a little flat, but we're back with a new episode of Chargers Lately. And today, I've got a phenomenal guest. He's one of my coworkers at SB Nation. You might see his name um, running around on Bolts in the Blue. If you are ever on the Rams website, he does most of his work over there at Church Show Times. But Kenneth Arthur joins me. We call him Kenny. Um, you can call him whatever he wants you to call him if that makes sense as well. Kenneth, Kenny, whatever works. Uh, Kenny, how's it going? It's going good, uh, Michael. Uh, yeah, call me whatever you'd like. Uh, Kenneth, Kenny, Ken. Um, idiot, I'm sure a few people have said <laughs> on these websites. Uh, yeah, it's been fun. We're writing about the Chargers uh, at times this year on uh, Bolts from the Blue because I, I really do – I think that it is uh, a always like an interesting team. You know, I thought they were always they always have had really talented players, and certainly there's uh, there's that element of just like you know that that thing of the Chargers being a disappointment to their fans mm-hmm. uh, that that does create uh, a, an added element of interest because of they just always have interesting uh, games and see anyways it's been really nice to write about that team because I, I i also see them as being one that can quickly turn around in my opinion and uh that's why i'm excited to talk about them 
Yeah, so you bring up, you know, a lot of the main themes that uh, come with being a Chargers fan and following this team. And it's it's a team that the media every offseason kind of puffs up. I mean, they do, you know, year-to-year basis, they have good offseasons. Like, they don't have bad offseasons by any means. Um, they always add a few players. This offseason, they obviously added um, a good number of them, and we'll get to that. But um, th- when the regular season hits, when it comes to the Chargers, it's always a crapshoot, right? Uh, you know, before the 15-16 seasons, where they went four and 12 and five and 11. I mean, people didn't think the Chargers were like big contenders, but people were like, you know, this team might surprise. And then those years happened. And then the same thing happened before 17 and 18. Well, those years went nine and seven and 12 and four. So building on that actual momentum, right? A 12 and four season, a win against the Baltimore Ravens in the first round of the playoffs. Of course, the hype was going to be real prior to this last season. Well, you know, some injuries happened, some bad things um occurred and next thing you know the team's five and eleven again so you're, you're completely correct that you just never know with this team and, and and that's a real easy way to keep people invested and interested in this team um but again we just yeah. never know and that's half the uh half the problem with being a chargers fan but uh we just touched on a little bit the the chargers offseason and and this offseason has probably been the most eventful uh, offseason the Chargers had in, in quite some time. They added a lot of free agents and a lot of good free agents. You know, it wasn't just some bargain bin picks that they waited on um, and kind of hope for the best. So uh, let's get into some of these uh, free agents real quick. Um, you know, going from we got Linval Joseph, big defensive tackle. We got Chris Harris, the the cornerback from the Broncos, who, who this team knows all too well. Um, you got Brian Bulaga, who follows his old offensive line coach from the Packers here. Um, out on the West Coast, you've got Nick Vigil. Um, I feel like I'm missing somebody that I probably shouldn't, but um, you got a lot of Trey Turner. There's a Trey Turner trade, wasn't free agency, but that's a new player as well. So just give me your overall thoughts on um, your, you know, quick synopsis of these free agents and maybe like one or two that you feel are like real game changers for the Chargers this season. I think for the Chargers, obviously, what they really needed uh, that everyone was was talking about, you know, uh, what every what almost every team needs more of is good offensive linemen and players that uh, can affect the game in those really quiet, subtle ways that don't get talked about and doesn't turn these players into superstars by any means, but is what allows the players behind them to succeed usually. So. I think so much of the game just is predetermined on, you know, time in the pocket and lanes to run through it and being able to let everybody else on the offense do what they can do and at the same time prevent the players who are being paid a lot on the other side of the ball from doing what they need to do. So I think adding Brian Bulaga obviously is something that is very welcome for the Chargers because of, you know, I know, I know that with the Seattle Seahawks, Russell Okung was, you know, always kind of in and out of the lineup, even when he, you know, and he was good. Uh, he, he wasn't like, I mean, he was really good. I mean, he, he, I guess there's nothing, I don't need to qualify that he wasn't great. He's not elite, like a hall of famer or anything like that, but he's very good. Brian Belaga, similarly very good, but I think, is someone that uh, can be a little bit more reliable. And I think being able to move Okung for Trey Turner or Trey Turner uh, is, is something that obviously kills uh, two birds. So it, being able to get those two guys uh, really situates the offensive line in a, in a better position potentially. Uh, these things can also go horribly wrong, as you know. Um, 
but I definitely like anything that uh, addresses the offensive line because, you know, it, it's also been interestingly, it's not, I wouldn't say it's consistent year to year because we see teams like, say, the Rams go from the best offensive line to one of the worst uh, really quickly, and age has a lot to do with that, you know. Uh, injuries have a lot to do with that. We've seen, like, look at the Dallas Cowboys offensive line right now. It's much different than the one many would have predicted a year ago uh, because of, you know, the uh, Travis Frederick and um, uh, and just it doesn't look as strong as it used to. So anytime you can get any opportunity, now you look at the Chargers with Belaga, Mike Pouncey, Turner, uh, if Forrest Lamp were healthy, Dan Feeney, and uh, – there's some, you know, some guys to, to build around. So I think a lot of that is just set with adding a player like Brian Bulaga and doing things on defense is great. Linval Joseph and um, uh, uh, Chris Harris, like, it's always good. <laughs> uh, those are, like, really solid veteran players that maybe uh, you would hope that make the Chargers – you know, there were so many mistakes on the field last year for LA that you just hope that those are the types of guys that you bring in that hold their teammates accountable and hold themselves accountable for mistakes, making it easier next time. So uh, that's good too. But uh, certainly I think you got to have a good offensive line or at least that's, it's, it's a huge advantage to have a good one and, and they seem improved. Yeah, you're, you're definitely correct. We can look at some of the past really good teams in the NFL, some of the guys who are the past teams who participated in recent Super Bowls. So we can look at um, this past Super Bowl, which was the Niners and the Chiefs. The Niners uh, were built completely through the trenches. Um, and you can say a little bit for the Chiefs as well with, uh, you know, Chris Jones, Frank Clark on the defensive side of the ball. Um, for the offense, they've got Mitchell Schwartz and, you know, a bunch of guys that, you know, the casual fan may not know, but together they're a very underrated group, well-coached group, and they know how to get the job done. And then you look at, you know, when the, the Patriots and the Eagles were in the Super Bowl together, right? And you look at the Patriots-Rams Super Bowl. I mean, these are all teams who either had an amazing offensive line from just a, a raw skill set point to um, the New England Patriots and Dante Scarnecchia, who's arguably was, before he retired, the greatest offensive line coach in the league while he was still active. So this is a big deal. And you look at the Chargers, and yes, they added Trey Turner and Brian Bulaga to absolutely solidify just one whole side of the offensive line. And then on the defense side of the ball, you know, they've got the good edge rushers. That's great. The, one of the biggest issues that they've struggled with is running up the middle. And so they get a guy like Linval Joseph, who some may argue is on, you know, the wrong side of 30. But if you, you know, read some articles in, about his situation in, in Minnesota, the Mike Zimmer and, and the coaching staff didn't play him as much because they wanted to actually see what they had in the young guys. Cause they knew that they probably couldn't afford, uh, Joseph going forward if he wanted to continue staying with mm -hmm. the team. So I don't think Joseph is is going to be like regressing, you know, constantly from this point on. I think he's going to be just fine. And if the Chargers use him the way he has explained um, what they've told him, how they will use him, then I think everything's going to be okay. I think that's, again, building through the trenches, I think it's incredibly important that Chargers have done that. You adding Chris Harris to an already stacked secondary, um, which is that's one of the biggest issues right now that Chargers fans and really anyone who's interested in the Chargers is trying to figure out where all the bodies are going to fit, right? You've got, um, you already had an, a former all pro nickel cornerback in Desmond King. Yes, he progressed in 19, um, but that's, you know, two out of three years were amazing. So I don't know why we're not going to quit on him, but you have Chris Harris comes in. So who's going to play the slot? Well, it sounds like Harris is going to play the slot most of the time and may play some outside. So I guess maybe when Harris is outside, King comes inside, 
Um, but then, you know, when Harris is outside, that takes Michael Davis away, who they just signed to a second round tender, who they really enjoy as a former undrafted player. And then on the back end, you've got Derwin James and Rayshon Jenkins. But then you have 2019 second round pick Nasir Adderley. And he had a redshirt year because of a hamstring split, which sounds really awful. And it's understandable that he didn't play at all as a rookie. So you got three really good safeties. And, you know, Jenkins, Lynn thinks he's elite and, and thinks highly uh, of him. Um, you know, he's probably going to play. So you just got all these bodies and not enough places to put them. So that's going to be another big question. But again, so we, we look at the Chargers. They got all these new places, all, excuse me, all these new people, all these new players, and they filled actual needs on the team. So it's great. But, but also, yeah, and I would also add just with those lines, too, it's like when you talked about uh, last year's Super Bowl, it's like, look at the Tennessee Titans. I mean, that's a team that heavily invested in their offensive line in the draft, uh, built it up. Can you imagine? I mean, would you say, like, what kind of season would Phillip Rivers and Melvin Gordon have had with the Titans last season instead of with the Chargers? And it's not to say, like, Melvin Gordon is as good as Derrick Henry, Perhaps, but he probably would have looked a lot better, you know, if you're having that kind of uh, situation. And, and, you know, Philip Rivers, if he had that much time perhaps to throw or whatever it was, you know, if Tannehill could succeed, we saw what could happen when those guys were given more time. Yes, exactly. I mean, and we can, you know, pick up people from the charters and put them in different situations. And, and most of the time we can say, yeah, I think they'd be much better in this situation. And it does just point at how bad – things really were in, in 2019. And, and uh, you know, I don't want to make a ton of excuses for, for Rivers just because I thought, you know, some of the things weren't entirely not his fault. I think he went both ways with his struggles in 2019. Yeah. But at the end of the day, he, you know, he started seeing ghosts. And that's something we saw in those years where they struggled. Um, the offensive line was bad. Rivers started throwing the ball away almost as soon as possible because he just, you know, had quick feet and, or, you know, scared feet and just didn't want to, um, get hit anymore. I mean, you can't blame a guy for that. You know, it's just like the case of, you know, learned helplessness and, and you know, an animal who doesn't know any better, right? It's just a natural reaction. So, um, you know, it's, it's fun to look back and think of, think of what if, but, uh, you know, it, it is what it is. Gordon and Rivers are no longer with the team. Right now we get to, to stand behind Tyrod Taylor and Justin Herbert, whoever, you know, comes out on top there in 2020. Um, Austin Eckler is finally the guy for the Chargers offense. And that's something that we've been – I think as an entire fan base have been wanting for probably the last couple of years prior to even last season, uh, we've been wanting to see more Eckler and we're finally going to, to get it in some way, shape or form. Now um, I want to go around and just kind of, you know, we talked about the chargers in and out, what they've done this off season. Now let's go around the AFC West, you know, team by team. And we can, you know, quickly discuss uh, what these teams have done and kind of give thoughts on what the matchups are going to be between, you know, these inner uh, divisional yeah. teams. So starting with um, the now the Las Vegas Raiders, and I want to make a point to, to be sure to call them Las Vegas, because personally I'm really tired of going on radio shows like as of, you know, as recent as this week and people keep saying San Diego because it's been long uh -huh. enough that I don't understand how people keep doing it. And I don't think like the Oakland slash Las Vegas problem has been much of an issue for um, you know, sports uh -huh. media members. So anyway, so we look at the Oakland Raiders. Um, they didn't have like a crazy off season by any means. Um, off the top of my head, they added a uh, former Chicago Bears cornerback, Prince Amukamara. Um, They got former Bears linebacker, uh, Nick Kwiatkowski. So they added, you know, a couple of defensive pieces to uh, certainly that side of the ball needed some help. 
offensively, that was kind of the theme for their draft as well, right? They, I think they drafted three receivers, maybe even four. Um, I know they got Henry Ruggs, the speedster from Alabama. They added Lynn Bowden Jr., who played uh, quarterback for Kentucky, although he's listed as a, a running back here on the roster. Um, mm-hmm. He's explained that uh, he will be used around quite a bit. They got Brian Edwards, a really good receiver from South Carolina that fell in the draft because of, of injuries. And um, let's see, just, I'm just standing over the roster now. Malik Collins, the former uh, D- Dallas Cowboy, pardon me, um, he's there now as well. So this team added a lot of decent talent. Jeff Heath, you know, there at safety as well. Um, they've got good players. And, and you add that to an offense that was pretty surprising in 2019. Uh, you know, just Josh Jacobs, pardon, was fantastic for him as a rookie. Went over 1,000 yards, helped them beat um, the Bears earlier in the season when people thought the Bears was still, you know, going to be a really good team last season. I mean, it was a big deal. Uh, Tyrell Williams, the former Charger. Um, uh, what's his name? The, the tight end. I can't believe I'm blanking on on him. Waller. Uh, you know, Waller all of a sudden came out as this huge former receiver turned tight end that still has this, you know, almost sub 4-4 speed and absolutely tore it up after kind of struggling for the, through the first couple uh, seasons of his career. So we kind of seen what, what, what Oakland's done. I named all these players. They've had a lot of offensive firepower. Um, now, putting up the Raiders against the Chargers. So when you look forward to these two people playing, these two teams playing in, in the season, um, what kind of stands out? What position battles stand out? Where do you think the, the Raiders have maybe a slight edge over the Chargers? And, and where do the Chargers kind of, you know, find themselves above the Raiders? Yeah, I mean, I got to say that the Las Vegas. Good. Uh, Raiders. Um, are kind of interesting, you know, that the fact that Matt, we started talking about offensive line with the Chargers, and I'll start talking about offensive line with the Raiders, where, you know, uh, an offensive line coach like Tom Cable is perhaps the most, you know, you talked about Dante Scarnecchia, and Tom Cable seems to be the anti-Dante Scarnecchia in the greater media fan landscape as seen as a poison to teams or offensive lines because of his time with the Seattle Seahawks. And yet, without Cable in Seattle, the Seahawks' offensive line is still bad. And with Cable and, and the, with the Raiders in Las Vegas, uh, the uh, offensive line is great, maybe the best in the league. Uh, I think it's interesting that, you know, factually speaking, I think if we were really talking about it, if we really gave centers and offensive linemen the, the credit they deserve, Rodney Hudson would be a Hall of Fame candidate. Uh, I think he's consistently the best center year after year. Um, and they've got Trent Brown, one of the highest paid tackles in the NFL, and he's playing right tackle. He's not even playing left tackle. Colton Miller is a young you know, left tackle who's uh, taken some criticisms and at the same time I, I, think has, I think has proven capable to be the, the franchise's left tackle. Uh, and Richie Incognito, if he didn't have such a poor reputation, also I think is a borderline Hall of Famer. If, if guards and, and those types of players. So, I mean, when you look at yeah that offensive line, it's like that's going to be clearly the matchup for, for at least the Chargers defense. It's like if you've got Joey Bosa as your best player, perhaps on the entire team, but uh, on, on defense for sure, unless, I mean, I'm forgetting someone, oh, Derwin James or Casey Hayward or whatever. But if you're looking at uh, Joey Bosa versus – 
you know, Colton Miller, that, I mean, that's potentially a matchup that's good for LA. Uh, and at the same time, you know, it's, it's, it's about as, as difficult as uh, a matchup maybe as uh, Bosa may have in the AFC West. It's so mm-hmm. it's kind of interesting just to see where they're at with that, with that. And then if you're adding like Linval Joseph and you're talking about the whole situation, Melvin Ingram, the pass rush, everything like that with regards to the chargers, I think definitely I'm looking at that, that matchup in the trenches, offensive and defense. But I do think the Charger, uh, the Raiders, because of that, um, uh, Mike Mayock obsessed with, I think, um, defensive players and free agency, adding uh, Corey Littleton from the Rams, you know, and that's a big oh, right, change correct. in the middle of their defense. Uh, if Corey Littleton is, is legit, you know, and he's pretty good for his time with the Rams, uh, you know, a former undrafted free agent. If he he could really change a lot for for the defense. They added uh, Prince Amukamara and they added Malik Collins, an underrated defensive tackle as well. You know, and you mentioned uh, so like looking at some of this, the, the potential there is pretty good for the Raiders, and I could see them. Uh, and then in the, in the draft, he focused on offense with Henry Ruggs and like you said, Lynn Bowden, who I think is a really interesting kind of player you know he he goes into this uh category that some would call the the new Taysom Hill category because of his potential to be a a a guy who can take snaps as a quarterback and either run the football throw the football or uh you know in other situations catch the football so Lynn Bowden could also just be a bust because I mean third round picks I would rarely ever put a bus label on but uh he may just, he just may never do anything because he is he is kind of an experimental player a quarterback at Kentucky and they're trying this thing out um but Henry Ruggs is is also interesting because he he didn't catch a lot of passes for Alabama he's he's really uh you know there there's gonna be those people who may see Henry Ruggs as another um uh Tavon Austin you know (laughs) or Darius Hayward Bay I was going maybe not for a Raider uh, so much as a fast small guy Mm -hmm. uh but yeah I mean Henry Ruggs could be very good very exciting uh Deshaun Jackson future type thing but it's just like I also it also could be nothing uh and so the Raiders really go either way, and, and the Derek Carr situation. Uh, they, I think Mar- Marcus Mariota has a legit chance to to win the job um, and try and be the version of Ryan Tannehill that you know last year. You know, uh, but overall, I just uh, they're a hard team to figure out, and uh, it'll be interesting if 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 John Gruden's plan is working, uh, this will be the year probably where we see it. Uh, and if it's not, you know, but I, I definitely think that for the chargers to get an advantage here, um, would probably come down to being able to pressure and get in, uh, get to the quarterback and shut that whole thing down in the backfield by, um, just asserting a, a Joey Bosa, Linval Joseph, Melvin Ingram dominance um, mm-hmm. over their greatest strength, perhaps, which is the offensive line. Because I think that the LA Chargers offensively, even uh, even with Tyrod Taylor or even with a rookie Justin Herbert, offensively, I think um, they're capable of keeping up with the Raiders defense. It's going to be something where I think it, it's either going to work really well or it's going to be bad again. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, two things um, I'll touch on with this matchup before we, we look at Denver is um, I like that you brought up Corey Littleton. That was a name I, I couldn't remember off the top of my head, but he's a, a phenomenal cover linebacker, right? If anything, mm -hmm. the matchup, one of the matchups to look for in that is going to be Littleton versus Eckler, right? I think if there's anyone who's going to cover, um, it, well, especially Eckler out of the backfield, it's probably going to be Littleton. It'll be somebody else when Eckler splits out wide, more than likely because they have to respect his receiving chops. Um, that's going to be huge to watch. I'm very intrigued about that. And then secondly, they added all that speed, right? Tyrell Williams is a sub 4-4 guy. And I, I saw what he, you know, firsthand what he's able to do um, to, in terms of taking the top off defenses. Well, you add in another guy who runs a sub 4-3-40 in Henry Ruggs, and you've got two guys who at any time could get behind somebody and, and go to the house. And um, the Chargers have widely this, uh, this offseason been deemed to have the best, most elite secondary, right? You know, adding Chris Harris to what – already has, you know, Hayward's a former All-Pro, Desmond King's a former All-Pro, Jerwin James is a former All-Pro, right? There's four people on this defense who have at least one all, second-team or first-team All-Pro honoree. All, they've all been to Pro Bowls. So, yeah, I mean, it, yeah. it's tough not to think that, that the group is going to be a big deal. But when you look at the makeup, I mean, the fastest defensive back is Michael Davis, who is, you know, the fifth or sixth guy in line in terms of talent with this defensive backfield. Um, Hayward doesn't win with his, with his athleticism. Harris does not. Derwin obviously does because he's an incredible person and player. And then Rayshon Jenkins is, is, a, is a great athlete that doesn't have so much between the ears as much as you want because he missed too many tackles. And then you've got Michael Davis, who's still just, you know, a former undrafted player who's improving through the years, um, but it's still yet to show that he's, you know, a real solid NFL corner. So those are a couple of things I want to touch on with, with the Raiders. Yeah, you know, I think uh, just uh, to, to one more point on that, it's just like, uh, you know, uh, Lambo said uh, that the game is very simple. Uh, or excuse me, Lombardi said that the game is very simple. It is only blocking and tackling. That's it. I think that's what he says, you know. Everything else is just a product, a byproduct of blocking and tackling. Now, look, this was uh, 60 years ago, but I think that it still holds true that, yeah, if you're blocking well and if you're tackling them before they get to the end zone, uh, you're, you're probably ahead. So, yeah, blocking and tackling, and those are the things where how, how will the Chargers do uh, on those two things relative to their opponents? Yeah, you're exactly correct. Tackling was obviously an issue last season, and blocking could have been a whole heck of a lot better. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo, and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Um, going on to the Denver Broncos. So this is a team that. 
you know, has struggled ever since Peyton Manning retired. They've been struggling to find their quarterback. Um, they've added some great talents, had some great talents. Um, and you look at some of their players they got this offseason through the draft and free agency. You know, one thing that stands out is, is Titans defensive tackle Jarrell Casey was traded to the Broncos for what? I think it was a seventh round pick. And uh, recently, I think it was just yesterday that um, Casey made a statement and was like, I felt like a piece of trash thrown away by the Titans, you know, and like, mm-hmm. I don't blame the guy. You know, he's a former all pro and, and, and pro bowl player traded for a seventh round pick and he's shown no sign of aggression. He's still amazing. So somehow the Broncos pulled that off. They get uh, Bradley Chubb back who missed all of last year uh, with a I think torn ACL. And then um, their draft, You're, they got guys, they got Jerry Judy for crying out loud, who was arguably the top wide receiver in the draft and, and would have been if he maybe was a little bit faster. I think Ruggs' speed, you know, made him uh, get that honor. But you got Jerry Judy. He's probably the best overall uh, receiver, depending if you like him or C.D. Lamb. They got K.J. Hamler from Penn State, who runs a sub 4-4 and is as shifty as all get out. I saw some recent workout videos of him just doing, like, different, you know, 90-degree cuts through cones and stuff. And it was insane mm-hmm. how fast he was going. Like, I, I, for a moment, didn't think it was real. It could have been sped up, and I would have believed it. Like, <laughs> the guy's phenomenal. And as a, as a uh, alumni of the University of Iowa, I saw KJ Hamler play firsthand over the last couple of years against my Hawkeyes and, and absolutely tear them up. So, you know, I, I can... Hey, guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing, and now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. You know, stand to say that he's phenomenal. So they added a lot of weapons to help. They even added uh, Albert O. You know, I don't even want to pr- try to pronounce his last name. Um, the, the huge tight end from Missouri that ran a 4-4-9. I think it was at 260 pounds. He played at Missouri with uh, second-year quarterback Drew Locke. So there's a lot of moves they made this offseason that really solidify that team, not only just filling holes um, in the roster, but adding people that like have good synergy. And, and, you know, it looks like Denver is trying to bank on a lot of those things. So when you look at this matchup, Chargers, Denver, where does Denver have some of the, the upper hand and where do the Chargers get ahead of the Broncos? I mean, it's definitely, you know, when the coming out of the season, I think I really felt like, the Denver Broncos could be 12 and four next season. I think that uh, I was looking at it in, in terms of if they were, if they played as well as they did in those five games with Drew Locke, you know, winning four of their last five games uh, and had their normal ish defense, um, this is a good team. You know, who knows what Drew Locke is? I'm not going to write uh, Drew Locke off at this point. Um, okay even though I think it's, it's super rare for uh, second round quarterbacks to be super like really, really good. Um, it's super rare for any quarterback to be really, really good, but I've, I've really had an issue with the second round. There's just a lot of bad picks in there and not right. necessarily like, why did you take that guy? Because you can see the, where, Hey, look, if you get Derek Carr in the second round, if you get Colin Kaepernick in the second round, if you get Andy Dalton in the second round, you get Jimmy Garoppolo in the second round, 
these are all fine players. These are all okay players. But what's your ceiling? You know, what, where are you going with these guys? Uh, for the most part, they're not going anywhere. People say Drew Brees was a second-round pick. Drew Brees was the 32nd overall pick in a year when they only had 31 teams. I mean, I'm really talking about, like, the 40s, the 50s. And Drew Locke, you know, typically I feel like when you fall that far, you're a, you're a quarterback with good skill sets that everyone's just like, maybe if everything goes all right. Uh, mm-hmm. It's just – it's just like there's very – but if – that doesn't mean that that doesn't preclude Drew Locke from being really good, you know, and mm-hmm. yet his, his overall numbers are, are, are very similar, if not in some ways worse than Joe Flacco. So uh, it was just a matter of the, the Broncos perhaps just won those games. And so I think where I stand today, you know, six months later, the Broncos are okay. <laughs> I, I think that like my, my biggest thing with the Broncos is their their defense was fine last year. You know, they were fifth in DVOA, uh, defense defense adjusted value over average from football outsiders. They were fifth in defensive efficiency in 2018. They fell to 12th in 2019. Um, and then they lose, you know, Chris Harris. They do have some losses there. Um, and they did add, like you said, they added A.J. Boye. They added Jarrell Casey. Uh, they've got good players. They've got Von Miller, all that kind of stuff. But I could just see them being middle of the road defensively again. You know, Vic Fangio, this big defensive guru uh, or whatever, which is fine. I don't like assigning some sort of mystical, magical, fantastical powers to coordinators for the success that they have with those teams and then trying to attribute that to being a head coach for a different team with different personnel. And I think we're just seeing that Vic Fangio in his first season kind of struggled defensively. The, the Broncos didn't create a lot of turnovers. Uh, they, they just were whatever. And they got better as the year went on. But you're just like, I, I just can't believe Von, how long is Von, Von Miller feels like he's been in the NFL for 30 years. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I don't think he's right. Yeah, so, but some of these pass rushers are good until they're 38, and he's so good that you could see it. Oh, okay. So, yeah, he's not that old for a player of his caliber, and yet, yeah, I don't know. They also didn't have Bradley Chubb last year after the, you know, the first quarter of the season. They're fine, but I think their offensive line may not be that good. Uh, It could, you know, Garrett Bowles has been – hit and miss i'm looking at their offensive line right now what's listed on uh, ourlads.com at least dalton risner was a second round pick last year at left guard rookie lloyd cushionberry a third round pick this year could be starting at center they got graham glasgow over from uh, the detroit lions Jawan james who they signed a couple of years ago from the miami dolphins these are all fine players you know the tight ends like you mentioned uh noah fant and uh they use a first round pick on him and then you said, Albert, I mean, I wonder if they have meetings at ESPN and the NFL Network. They must, where they're like, okay, we're going to go over these 20 most difficult names in the mm-hmm. NFL draft and how to say them. Because whenever it comes around, you know, Mel Kiber, whoever it is, they're always so – they're pretty quick to say Albert Agwegvenum or whatever it may be. Yeah, it's actually pretty nice. <laughs> Oh, good, good, good. Uh, and then I like Cortland Sutton. Um, I like him a lot. Uh, but 
Jerry Judy hasn't played in the NFL. KJ Hamler hasn't played in the NFL. Who knows? Who knows what these guys will do? Uh, and you saw what Melvin Gordon did with the Chargers. I, I don't know if this offensive line is going to give him better opportunities than what he had with the LA Chargers, Phil Lindsay, Royce Freeman. A lot of the offense to me, this could be, you know, as I'm saying it right now, because I came out of the season thinking this could be a 12 and 14. This could be one of the worst offenses in the NFL. And their defense doesn't look to me, it has the potential to be a top three defense. It does because they've been there before with Von Miller. They have guys like Casey and Chubb and AJ Boye and Justin Simmons. I'm not saying that, but they could also just be like 20th. They could be like 25th in offense and 20th in defense. And to me, that's like a four and 12 team and Denver is picking high next year or Drew Locke is actually really good. Um, and the defense is really good and they go 12 and four. So everywhere over the board um, for the chargers, the matchup wise, I think it's just uh, a matter of really asserting uh, themselves defensively over their offense uh, because it's going to be hard for L.A., I assume, to, to assert their offense over Denver's defense. Yeah, I think you're, you're exactly correct on, you know, the, the wide varying expectations that the Broncos can have this season. You're right. There's, there's a lot of young pieces. You know, it, it all depends on whether or not it clicks with Drew Locke. The talent is surely there. I think a lot of people can make the same argument with the Chargers this season. It's a young quarterback and a lot of talent and athletic ability around him. And it just depends if they are able to execute. I think these teams are both in similar situations. While the Denver Broncos offensive skill position players are faster, they got a lot of speed over there. The Chargers have just as much talent, just maybe not as much speed. Both offensive lines are probably going to struggle a little bit. I'd, I'd say now with the new additions, the Chargers have a better offensive line than the Broncos. But I think the strength of both teams on defense is going to be their their defensive line. And they're going to try to win in that D-line versus O-line um, battle. Like If I imagine the, the Broncos defensive line, okay, you've got – they run their 3-4 that looks like Bradley Chubb and Vaughn Miller on each side. You've got now Jarrell Casey at one of those, you know, three techs. And you've got, I think, Shelby Harris playing the nose. Shelby Harris is like, I think he's 6'6 and like 330. I think he's a massive person. Don't quote me on that. I know he's huge. <laughs> and I thought he might have been a good pickup in free agency, but he signed back with the Broncos. I mean, and then I think, they, yeah, they lost Derek Wolf. So one of their three techs is going to be new. But for the most part, you've got some really good players along the defensive front. And the good thing for the Chargers now that they've got Bulaga going up against Vaughn Miller instead of Sam Tevy. And you've got Trey Turner now at one of those guard positions who will get to handle, um, you know, Jarrell Casey or, or Shelby Harris, like depending on where they line up. You know, so I think the Chargers might be a little built better in, in that um, offensive line versus defensive line battle that, you know, each team's going to have. Um, Secondary-wise, again, Chargers got a really good secondary. It just depends if they can keep up with some of that speed. Uh, you know, Casey Hayward had probably his worst game of the last couple of years against Denver this year when Cortland Sutton caught two touchdowns on him. Um, and actually, no, one of them wasn't a touchdown. Uh, was it? Yes. I think they were both against Casey Hayward. Cortland Sutton, man, first time he made like this diving one-handed catch that somehow he corralled. Um, it looked really good. Like, you don't know how you blame Casey Hayward for that. And then there's another time Casey Hayward got beat on another route that was like, damn, Casey, really? Like, I, it's just not something you expect. So I think the Broncos have a chance to surprise. Um, and knowing how well this division plays each other, 
is what scares me. It's it's why the Chargers came into 2019 with all the hype and then didn't win a single game in the AFC West. It's just this division plays each other so well. And if Phillip Rivers, honest to God, and I, you know, for I've talked about this stat before, but uh, I went back and I charted all the touchdowns and interceptions that Rivers has thrown in the last five years in the AFC West. And he's thrown way more interceptions than touchdowns. Like it's actually mm. messed up how many interceptions he throws against AFC West opponents. He is almost crystal clean uh, against non-division opponents, but he has been so bad against the division in the last five years. It's understandable why they haven't found um, so much success. Um, but yeah, going also, on, yeah, go ahead. No, I was just going to move on to the Chiefs, but if you got one more point. Well, one more thing, yeah, just about that. Uh, I mean, in your opinion, if you, do you think if you polled 100 people or whatever, but uh, how do you think uh, people would feel just on next season only or maybe in the future? Would they rather have Drew Locke, who, you know, has five games under his belt? They've seen a little bit of him. They know that, okay, maybe he can compete here in the NFL. Or do you think they'd rather have Justin Herbert, who was, you know, a high draft pick, but – untested and you know has has fans has non-fans uh do you think that uh do you think these two quarterbacks are close or do you think justin herbert uh has significant advantages um so i think if you pull uh, yeah so this is true let's just get a bunch of people and we'd have to say you know they're non-biased people they have no care in the world about the afc west but like just you know from from right now all the facts that we have I don't see how many, like most people would comfortably say Justin Herbert because of the hole he hasn't played in the NFL yet. And he came out of college with, you know, justifiable drawbacks and shortcomings and things that people point out and say, I don't know how he's going to be that crazy successful in the NFL if, you know, he did this while in college. And uh, Drew Locke was used to slinging it around. He didn't win a ton of games at Missouri, but he he's used to throwing the ball down the field. He's used to racking up passing yards. He has all the passing records and most of them at Missouri. I mean, that's what he's comfortable doing. You know, I don't see how what uh, Herbert's comfortable doing and what he did at Oregon is going to transfer. Like the offense is not going to be the same. I think Drew Locke's offense in Denver is going to be more similar to what he did, at least passing wise at Missouri. Um, and then what, you know, the Chargers offense is going to look like for Justin Herbert in his rookie season. I just think since, and, and Drew Locke has shown he can win an NFL game. I think that alone, mm-hmm. you know, four out of five starts, he's won. That alone would give people so much more confidence in a guy, uh, you know, compared to a guy that hasn't played uh, in the NFL, if that makes sense. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see where they stand after this season, although no guarantee that uh, that Justin Herbert starts uh, this year or that uh, Drew Locke keeps his job necessarily. But, uh, yeah, we'll know a lot more by the end of the year. Mm-hmm. All right, so finally we're going to move on to the Chiefs. And now the Chiefs aren't terribly different than the team that just won the Super Bowl. Um, they added Clyde edwards with the running back from LSU, who a lot of people will say is probably going to be the next, uh, you know, Brian Westbrook, the way he's, uh, he can shift around. He's just so good, start, stop, speed. Um, off the top of my head, I'm trying to remember some of their other draft picks. I feel like that Clyde's one, the Edwards-Hilaire one was just like so far and away their best pick. Um, but they didn't need to really draft anybody else. I mean, they kept the Super Bowl team for the most part together. So a lot of these other draft picks probably aren't going to play. I can definitely see CEH uh, playing and getting a bunch of snaps. They got Willie Gay Jr. That's a good one from uh, in the second round, Mississippi State. He had some off-the-field issues but was a, a linebacker, 6'1", 240, that ran in the 4'4". I mean, that's, you know, excellent speed to have at the second level 
of your defense and their linebackers were not good last season. So that's them directly um, getting one of those, uh, you know, needs filled. Uh, as I look um, again through their roster, you know, it really no one else to, to, to point at um, because they didn't really need anything. Again, they just won the Super Bowl. So looking at the Chiefs, again, roughly being the same team, what do you think of the Chargers matchups with Kansas City this year? And I'll preface that with I, I want to remind fans kind of how well the Chargers actually played the Chiefs um, in their two games last season. The uh, the season low for Patrick Mahomes passing-wise was 163 yards against the Oakland Raiders on December 1st. The next two uh, lowest passing totals Mahomes posted last year were 174 in the season finale against the Chargers and 180 um, the game in Mexico City, I believe, um, against the Chargers. So the Chargers, like, held Mahomes to – the only team to do that in two games or like, you know, not look at all these other numbers, 378, 436, you know, uh, 433. Like Mahomes slung it last year still. And the Chargers somehow found a way to limit him. But unfortunately, Rivers threw two interceptions, I believe, in both of those games, including one to end the final game of the season. He threw another one, uh, you know, in the red zone and another point. Like, I mean, this game, unfortunately, was kind of lost due to Phillip Rivers not taking care of the ball. So knowing that, though, going into this season, how do you feel the Chargers can compete with the Chiefs? They can't. Uh, it's it's uh, no offense to the L.A. Chargers. And absolutely, yeah, great point. I mean, they there's it's like uh, for a long time, the Seahawks have been better than the Rams in the NFC West for like, you know, for like, uh, excuse, it, it, yeah, they have been a better team for the most part in the last decade, but they lose to the Rams all the time. Uh, so it's like those teams just, for whatever reason, they figure it out. Those divisional matchups are always the hardest. And yet last year, uh, Phillip Rivers and the Chargers went 0-6 in the AFC West, as you mentioned, uh, how much he struggled. And Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs went 6-0 and in the AFC West. And uh, Mahomes... I mean, you look at his entire record over the last two years, any split you can find, any game law, it doesn't matter. The guy has not had a weakness yet. He, he's not weak in any area at this moment, not the ones that you really care about. He's good at home. He's good on the road. He's good against bad teams. He's good against good teams. He's good against any kind of defense you're throwing at him because because he, he he's innovative, he's got this incredible arm, makes great decisions, and he's, he's surrounded with unbelievable talent from Tyreek Hill to Travis Kelsey and now Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. Somehow they have managed to keep both Sammy Watkins and Chris Jones. This Going into this offseason, you assumed after winning the Super Bowl, they would, not, they would lose at least one of those guys, if not both. And maybe they'll trade Chris Jones at some point. I don't know. I don't know why, though, because he's a defensive player of the year candidate, and he's only on, you know, if he signs his franchise tag, and I don't know if he has or not, but if he plays on the franchise tag, what a deal. I mean, they probably won't extend him because they, they don't have that kind of long-term cash flow, I don't think. But at the same time, it's just like they've kept, as you said, everything for the most part together, only getting better. I mean, I think that you could make a case that Nicole Hardman is one of the most exciting young receivers in the NFL, and he's not even a starter. He may not even be 
one of the top five, four, four guys that they throw to. Uh, the offensive line is solid. The, the defense is solid. They added Tyran Matthew last year. He changed everything. You know, they added Frank Clark last year. This team is on paper just 16-0 and 0 type stuff. But we've said that before, and it hasn't, you know, we've said that before about teams, uh, and then they turn out 9-7 and seven or whatever. It happens. I just don't think that any team – I don't think that this team with, with, with a healthy Patrick Mahomes, and even I, – I don't, I, don't I don't think that there's any uh, inclination or hope <laughs> that they would see Chad Henney, but if they were in a situation where Chad Henney had to start five games or whatever, like Teddy Bridgewater did for the Saints last year, it wouldn't be that shocking to see them go 4-1 and one or 5-0 and oh just because of how many – how little of a holes they have, you know, mm-hmm. that being said, you know, I'm judging a lot of this based on the last year or two. And I, I don't know, like if you had said that about the Rams going into last season, you would not have correctly predicted perhaps they're, they were still nine and seven, even when a lot of things went wrong uh, for the chargers to do what they do. Yeah. It's just going to have to be that those two games, like you said, they, they held uh, Mahomes under 200 yards. Uh, maybe, you know, part of that is a strategical uh, with regards to Kansas City, um, you know, just getting the wins however they could because they did win those games. Um, but, yeah, it, it's just – it's it, to me, it's not so much what the Chargers – yeah, it's, it's what the Chargers can do against Kansas City, but it's also just like, you know, we didn't talk about it as of now, but it's just how good are the Chargers, you know? With, with Casey Hayward, uh, with Chris Harris – Coming in, does that really solidify um, a huge advantage? Like, can they put I, – I haven't looked at it, but knowing that Chris Harris has faced off against, say, Tyreek Hill and uh, these types of Kansas City players twice a year for the last, you know, two, three years as they've really been rolling, uh, what kind of – I'm assuming that played a, a huge part in, in adding Chris Harris. Uh, knowing what you've got in terms of, like, being able to – present a, a case to stop the run with, with, with a guy like Clyde Edwards Hilaire, Damon Williams, um, by adding Lynn Val Joseph. What, what you've got with, uh, you know, uh, players coming in that were injured last year and coming in healthy, like, that's, that's just it. Like, how good are they defensively? Because nobody, nobody expects the Chargers to be strong at quarterback next season. And I think that that's reasonable. But – they're not going to be trying to play to win the game based on their quarterback play. The Chargers are going to be trying to get to 10 or 11 wins because they're like, look, we got Joey Bosa. Uh, we got Melvin Ingram. We got Linville Joseph. We got Chris Harris. We got Casey Hayward. We got Derwin James. We got a lot of really good players on defense. If we can come together, if we can get that top five defense, which is, you know, possible, then it's just like, did we not, did we cut those mistakes down on, on offense you know, mm-hmm. to a point of like, we threw five interceptions all season long. We we fumbled the ball. You know, we were last in fumbles, like all this kind of stuff. They got to do that stuff. They can't have mistakes against the the Kansas City Chiefs in order to beat the Kansas City Chiefs because we already know how outmatched they are. Just give me one uh, second to look at one other uh, thing here because, you know, in their in their games against the Kansas City Chiefs. They turned the ball over four times in the first loss, a seven-point loss, 
and they turned the ball over two times in the uh, season finale in Kansas City. You know, what do those games turn out to be if they turn the ball over zero times? Because in those games, Kansas City protected the football, only turning it over once each. Uh, win the turnover battle. The best way for Kansas City to win the, uh, excuse me, for LA to win the turnover battle next season and probably every season is to not turn it over. Forgetting about takeaways, just protect the football. That's the best you can do with Tyrod Taylor uh, if he's your starter. Who knows what Justin Herbert's uh, real ceiling is. If he jumps in there and you're just like, oh, shit, because people didn't say that Patrick Mahomes was going to be like this. If they said that Patrick Mahomes was going to be like this, he wouldn't have been the 10th overall pick. Nobody would have let the Kansas City Chiefs trade up 17 spots to get this guy uh, if, he, if they had known that. So who knows what Justin Herbert will be, but the Tyrod Taylor offense, all that kind of stuff against the Kansas City Chiefs, just protect the ball. You know, that's, that's the big thing. Yeah, and I mean, it's a little bit of a cop-out answer. It's a little easier said than done. But you look at the numbers, um, Phillip Rivers, and it wasn't just four turnovers in general. It was four interceptions specifically from Phillip Rivers, right? In the second oh. game, it was two interceptions from Phillip Rivers. So yeah, if you just think about Tyrod Taylor, and yes, you know, the game could be wildly different. I can't just cut and snip and stuff out, and, you know, to paint a picture. But if you just imagine the Chargers defense playing that well, and let's just say Phillip Rivers didn't throw – let's just say he threw one interception. How different is that game, right? If It's just insane to think that, like you just said, it, four interceptions and it was a seven-point win, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, if, if you look at, like, the majority of stats, if, if you look at team, how much do teams lose by when they throw four interceptions, it's probably way higher than seven points, right? Yeah. If you see even just them throwing two interceptions, how many points do you think they normally lose by? It's probably going to be more than seven points. It's just, but that's what this Chargers team does, unfortunately. They do insane things and somehow like, not good things, bad things. And they still somehow were close and in all these games. And that's why they're such a heartbreaking team. It's because, you know, they keep it interesting. And that means being down and then fighting back. It means being up and then, and then, you know, losing that lead. It's just like a tale as old as time. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, honestly, there's not much more to say other than that. If, uh, if the Chargers can consistently play the type of defense they did last season, this season while not turning the ball over, I think the chances are much better. Do I think the Chargers go 0-6 again in the division? No. Can I honestly say that I think the Chargers are going to have a, uh, you know, a positive record? in the division in 2020, I honestly can't say that either because it's all going to depend on who's playing quarterback and, and what they're able to do. I don't think, you know, as good as this defense could be, in theory on paper, you know, nothing means anything until, you know, it's being done on the field, until they're back on the field and actually playing these games. So a lot to be excited about, but just cannot get ahead of ourselves too much. Um, you, know what the, uh, you know what the teams, uh, just quickly, uh, what the, since 2000 – there have been 237 games where a team threw at least four interceptions. Out of those 237 games, the team threw four interceptions is 13 and 224. So 13 and 224 when you throw four interceptions. Uh, and, yeah, I'm sure most of those were blowouts. And it wouldn't surprise me if one or two of those 13 wins came against another team that threw four interceptions you know you just cannot turn the ball over that that many times and win so 
that's that's going to be the big thing. You know, when you say Philip Rivers threw four interceptions against the Kansas City Chiefs, but Russell Wilson threw five interceptions last season. You know, it's not that uncommon for players these days to put up 30 and five, or even if it is 17 and five, like if you're Alex Smith or Tyrod Taylor, you know, you've got the Tyrod Taylor there already. So uh, he's not going to win you a game like Philip Rivers, and he's not going to lose you a game like Philip Rivers. Yeah, and that's exactly the point. The, the Chargers fan base is going to have to settle somewhere in the middle uh, of what the spectrum was on Philip Rivers, right? Um, they're going to have to suffice with maybe not as many touchdowns, but I guarantee your health will be a lot better after the season, not having to go through 15 to 20 interceptions. You may have to suffer through six, seven, maybe eight at the most, but you'll be a lot – if there's going to be one thing to be frustrated about this Chargers team, and I just be the lack of explosive plays or in general offensive output from Tyrod being safe, um, you know, more safe than sorry. So that has been kind of everything we wanted to talk about in today's show, guys. Um, really appreciate you all stopping in. want to give a big shout-out to Kenny here coming on and, and discussing the division, discussing the Chargers with us. Um, Again, so easy to let time fly. This is on the, the longer side of my podcast as far mm-hmm. as they usually go. But that's, I mean, good. It's fun to talk about this. You know, even with the lack of pure, like, new and original news, it's still so easy to go on and on about this team, to dissect them, and really kind of get down to the, the, the short and dirty with um, this franchise. So, Kenny, really appreciate you coming on once again. Um, before we, we end anything, do you want to shout out uh, social media, anything at all involving yourself? Uh, definitely not. Uh, definitely <laughs> go, uh, you know, follow at turf show times or, uh, yeah, if, I don't know. Why would you do that? I don't know. You're a Chargers <laughs> fan. So, uh, uh, definitely don't do that, but, um, you know, it's a beautiful day outside in LA. So if you're listening to this in that area or wherever you are, if it's beautiful, uh, open a window, if you can't go outside, I guess I would like to plug the sun. So <laughs> I hope everybody has a good week and weekend yeah plugging the sun that's a new one and i'm so glad you said that um i'm in iowa it is cloudy and it rains uh for the better part of most of the day which isn't the end of the world it has been scorching and humid so i am okay with that um guys once again uh this has been michael peterson with chargers lately if you want to follow me on twitter at zone tracks that's spelled z-o-n-e-t-r-a-c-k-s go ahead and follow the uh, bolts in the blue twitter handle that's at capital b-f-t-b underscore chargers um, check out the site, come join the community. I mean, I, if you're listening to this, you're probably already part of the community. If you find this on Spotify, wherever else, come join the family. It's an absolute blast. So again, this is Michael Peterson, uh, signing off on Chargers lately. I'll talk to you guys here soon. <laughs>